For over 27 years, LearnIt has helped more than 2 million individuals develop new skills and empowered them with confidence to thrive in an ever-changing workforce. We welcome you to the LearnIt Podcast, where we come together as employees, managers, executives, and learning champions from across the globe to take time to focus on our professional development. Together, we will tackle today's toughest challenges and dive into the topics that are key to success in today's workplace. Stay tuned to listen and learn from LearnIt expert instructors and the LearnIt community in order to upskill, reskill, and achieve overall success in your career. To learn more about LearnIt and our diverse offerings of soft skill, business application, and health and wellness workshops, please visit www.learnit.com. Let me go ahead and introduce myself to you. There's a much happier, healthier uh, picture of me on the screen than you currently are hearing, but I'm a lifelong edu education professional. My background uh, comes from higher education for the last 20 years or so. Particular focus is on per uh, performance management, supervision, leadership, and professional development. Um, like I said, I worked in higher education for roughly the last 20 years, earned my PhD in leadership in higher education a few years back, specifically focusing on self-efficacy which are, you are going to find is going to come up in today's topic of growth mindset. I'm an avid outdoors person, a good Wisconsinite. I enjoy the winter sports, thank goodness, because we get dumped on snow all the time, as we just did over the last couple of days here. Um, and today I'm going to be sharing some insights and strategies around growth mindset. With this being an abbreviated version of our two-hour course, we aren't going to be doing much of the interactive elements of the course, but our goal for today learning is about learning more about what does growth mindset mean and what are the tools for you to consistently have a growth mindset. We're also going to be discovering why it can be difficult to use this in practice and kind of where does this come into play about practical growth mindset. So a few different objectives for today's workshop. The first one is how does a growth mindset benefit you? The second is three keys to a growth mindset. The third is practical limitations and conditions of a growth mindset. And the fourth is creating a holistic plan for success. As I said before, I welcome any questions or comments into the chat at any point. If you need an example of something, anything like that, please let me know. And as I mentioned before, I am a little bit ill, so I am going to be taking a little bit more beverage breaks as I normally would. So many of you might be familiar with Carol Dweck's work on growth mindset. Um, she came out with a book, I think it was in 2006 or 2007. What a lot of people don't know is that her research is actually based on the work of Ellen Leggett. And Ellen was a psychologist from University of Southern California, and she and her colleagues were studying motivation. And what they did was they observed two beliefs regarding intelligence that they labeled entity and incremental. Okay, an entity person believes that their potential to master a task is low if their current ability is low, or that their ability is a fixed entity unlikely, unlike, un, pardon me, a fixed entity unlikely to change or grow, right? So this is this fixed idea. An incremental theorist or an incremental person believes that even if initial performance is low, the first time I do something, I don't do it so great, right? What they say is that mastery of a skill is possible. So these two ideas that Ellen Leggett and her colleagues researched, right, they found they, they laid the groundwork for what we call the growth mindset theory as we know it now. 
the idea that in an individual's mindset exists on a continuum between growth mindset and fixed mindset. And this is where Carol Dweck kind of took things off in 2007 in her book. Growth mindset, as you see the definition on the screen, is a belief that your skills and talents can increase rather than being fixed. With a fixed mindset, you may believe that you just know the answer or that you've always been good at a particular skill. With a growth mindset on the other side, you have a different way about thinking about talent, right? For example, you may recognize that you know the answer to something because you have a lot of experience in that particular area or because you enjoy practicing it. Having a growth mindset allows you to enjoy challenges, see other people's successes as inspiration, not as competition, because you believe that you too can enjoy that success. So the question may become, why does mindset matter, right? Although no one wants to hear it, you may be unknowingly standing in your own way when it comes to advancing in life, okay? And I know that that's probably a pretty heavy thing for me to say. It all comes down to our mindset. Most of us aren't even sure how our mindset developed or how to go about changing it, which is all about what I'm going to talk about today. In today's session, right, we're going to talk about how do we recognize our current mindset, what influences it, how to change it so that you can unlock your inner growth mindset. Now, mindset all boils down to whether or not you believe that you can improve. People with a growth mindset, if you look on the left-hand side of the screen, people with a growth mindset believe in themselves and their ability to get better at something versus thinking, there's no way that I can get better. This allows them to dream bigger versus we don't dream about growth. It allows them to take action towards achieving goals versus not taking action. And when people with a growth mindset encounter a roadblock, they persevere and they have the motivation to endure turbulent and difficult times versus quitting when it's tough or seeing mistakes as setbacks. Now, this growth mindset thing sounds pretty awesome, right? But some of you might have heard the idea of neuroplasticity, right? Neuroplasticity means that we have the ability to grow and nurture new neural links in our brain. Meaning, if you've heard the phrase, old dogs can't learn new tricks, it's actually the opposite. Old dogs can learn new tricks, right? Today, we're going to look at three different things that's going to help you grow those neurons, help you get better at things that you want to improve in. Beliefs, actions, and attitudes, and finally answering the question of should we or when should we lean into growth mindset. However, we're not going to stick just in the theoretical sort of space. That's why we call it practical growth mindset. I want this to be very practical and real world for you so that you're not just thinking about something, but that you can act on it today. Our belief in our own abilities, this is called self-efficacy, okay? And self-efficacy stems from four different sources, which is what you see on the screen there. Our own experiences, which is the strongest source, right? When we actually experience something ourselves. Our vicarious experiences, or when we experience something through somebody else. Persuasion from other people. And our physiological states, like our emotions, as well as our physical experience. 
Now, these four different things all filter into what we call self-efficacy, right? So our belief and our ability to actually do something. So if we have high self-efficacy, we have a high level of belief in our ability to complete a task, right? Maybe that's riding a bike. Maybe that's writing a report that we need to do for work. Maybe that's engaging in a new computer program. If we have low self-efficacy, which is fed into by all of those four things that you see on the screen, we have a low belief in our ability to get things done. So we have an idea now on kind of how our beliefs get formed from these four different things, but we need to think about what do we know about those beliefs. A lot of times we will take our beliefs and we just believe them without questioning them, right? It's the thing that occurred in my head, therefore that is the thing that I believe. But the key to this being really practical is that we need to think critically about our beliefs. We need to analyze the actual evidence that's in front of us. And here are some questions that you can ask yourself. And I would encourage you to write down the questions that you see on the screen here, right? The first one is, is prior failure truly indicative of future performance? So like how many attempts have you made at something? Now I use the example of riding a bike, right? That's not a professional example, but it's probably something we can all relate to. Most of us, in fact, I don't know anybody who jumped on a bike for the first time and could ride a bike, right? It took a number of failures. You know, you watch all videos all the time, right? Of kids learning how to ride bikes and they just fall down, fall down, fall down. And then magically at some moment, they're able to ride the bike, right? So prior failure isn't truly indicative of future performance. If that were the case, none of us would ever ride a bike because we would never learn how to ride a bike. The second question is, is your vicarious evidence enough to give you the whole picture? So when we look at somebody else engaging in that task or somebody else having that experience, is their perspective, is their experience actually enough to give us the whole picture of what that looks like? If I see my colleague struggling with using a computer program, is that enough evidence to share with me that I too am going to struggle with that program? Or is it just their experience, right? And then the third question is one person's feedback to you representative of the truth. We all have that one person, right, that is going to give us the critical feedback. Maybe we didn't even ask for that feedback, right? And sometimes if that one person's feedback actually colors the way that we look at something, changes the way that we desire to, you know, engage with a task, is that one person's feedback actually representative of the entire truth? Chances are the answer is no. Even if you have high self-efficacy, meaning you believe that you can do the task in front of you, that can get in the way of a growth mindset. What happens is that we risk failure, right? And so, you know, we, we risk failure and disappointment at something that we see ourselves as good at, right? So if I think I'm really good at giving presentations in front of groups or something like that, it might make me actually not want to give presentations because I don't want to be in a place of failure. You stop playing to win. You play not to lose instead, if that makes sense. You stop playing to win, playing not to lose instead. And that's not the mindset we're after when we're talking about growth mindset. So, so far we've dug into this idea of beliefs, okay? Beliefs are what get us in the game of thinking about growth mindset. This is what helps us think about where our thoughts start, where they form, what they're influenced by, how they're maintained, okay? The middle part of this, right, your actions and your attitudes are what keep you on track to grow and learn and improve. And here's what that looks like. 
When we're thinking about attitude, there's three keys to developing a growth mindset attitude that we're going to explore more, okay? The first is attuned to emotions. The second is preparing to be vulnerable. And the third is identifying your triggers. So let's dig into each one of those. And again, I wanna remind folks, if there's any questions that you have at any point, please go ahead and drop those in the chat. If there's something that you want me to explain a little bit more, please go ahead and put that comment or question in the chat. So let's dig into this idea of attuning to your emotions. Staying in tune to your emotions can help you identify if you're reacting from a place of harmed ego, or if you're thinking objectively and you're setting yourself up for success and further learning, right? So sometimes when something happens to us, we feel hurt, right? We, we feel uh, uh, offended, right? Oftentimes that is placed from a place of our ego actually getting affected, right? When we're in tune with our emotions, we can separate out, is that an ego hit or is that actually objective information that's coming at us? I'm sure some of you know what that feels right, right? Sometimes we have this experience of like, wow, suddenly I feel really, really uncomfortable. This must be one of those growth mindset moments, right? We need to understand and feel the emotions that are happening in that moment in order for us to grow and maintain a growth mindset. Now we go into this idea of, of kind of being in tune with our emotions and how we kind of uh, uh, experience what's happening in the moment. We have a class called Emotional Intelligence Self-Awareness. So a whole nother class that we dig in that entirely. But this idea is self-awareness is a growth mindset because you're recognizing your emotions instead of suppressing them. Okay, we're being real and we're recognizing the emotions we're experiencing. It's all too easy for us to just kind of feel bad and then act bad without slowing down to reflect on what's actually happening. So it's the ability for us to step back and observe yourself that is critical. That's all about attuning to your emotions. The second attitude to encourage a growth mindset is preparing to be vulnerable. Now, even this very statement, preparing to be vulnerable, might be making some of you uncomfortable, right? Um, this idea of vulnerability for a lot of people makes us uncomfortable because that means we're exposing ourselves, right? When we think about situations we're in, it is possible and even likely that we're uncomfortable thinking about making mistakes and missteps and failing forward. And that's a supernatural response, right? It means that, you know, you need to get to a certain place or a certain degree of vulnerability to apply that growth mindset in your life. In other words, you have to make the decision to be vulnerable. You can do that right now. You can decide that in the first place you'll go when you're challenged with, you know, a difficult situation. Growth mindset is the opportunity for you to say both open and vulnerable. That's it. All I'm asking you to do is to commit to staying open as well as being vulnerable as your first response. That takes a lot of intention, right? It's not easy for us to seek ways for improving or to ask for critical feedback in the face of failure, right? Actually telling people, I know I'm struggling at something, please give me feedback. I have to be naturally open to that vulnerability. I have to actually be brave enough to open myself and acknowledge that I might be getting some critical feedback from somebody else. Sit with that discomfort and that vulnerability for a beat or two and recognize that you have a choice in your response. You can follow a path that follows growth mindset thinking, or you can follow one that is fixed mindset thinking. And now that you know a little bit more about growth mindset, you'll hopefully have an easier time choosing that path forward. Deciding to take the growth mindset steps though 
even if you feel crummy is a good thing, right? When you're facing a challenge or your setback, you're likely having some negative emotions. It could be jealousy. It could be disappointment. You could feel dejected by something, right? But since growth mindset is primarily a response to failure, you have to apply it and persevere even when you're having some of those negative emotions. So that is our second attitude. The third one, right, is, is this idea of identifying fixed mindset triggers. Since fixed mindset uh, thoughts can be part of our existing habits, it's important for us to identify the circumstances or the triggers that tend to bring fixed mindset thoughts out on us. The third attitude to identify fixed mindset triggers, this is exactly where we need to be. So I want you to imagine you're getting critical feedback from somebody, that one person maybe in your work world that is always sharing some type of critique with you. Or perhaps there's kind of some area of your life that you are more prone to fixed mindset thinking. And you want to notice the places where fixed mindset is more natural for us, right? And, and, you know, where are those areas that tend to trigger us to be in a fixed mindset? We're going to practice that in one minute. But I do see I have a question that came in from, uh, I believe, uh, Kasi, hopefully I'm pronouncing your name correctly. How can the four aspects of self-efficacy impact our beliefs and attitudes to growth mindset? So I believe what you're referring to, let me go back to the slide up here, is this particular slide here, right? So these are the four aspects of self-efficacy. And what this does is, you know, this, this is what gives us all of the foundational information that we have that creates our belief systems, right? So our own experiences, our vicarious experiences, feedback from other people, as well as our physiological state. So all of this stuff, if you think about this, like ingredients that go in a soup in a pot, right? We put all of this stuff together. And what that does is that does directly impact the way that we think about the future. It directly impacts the way that we believe that we can complete a task, which is self-efficacy, right? And it also, you know, uh, uh, affects our willingness to do that in the future. So a perfect professional example of this is thinking about a new computer system that you need to use in your role, right? So if I have positive experiences, right? So the top of that, that slide there, I have positive individual experiences. I'm also hearing from my colleagues that they're having positive experiences with this new system. The feedback from other people is, you know, that you are, you know, that you're doing a good job using the new system. And I appreciate how you're using the new system. And your physiological state, you don't feel nervous, you don't feel uncomfortable, or it's manageable, right? All of this stuff goes in the ingredients into the soup, into the pot, right? To let us know that we, we do believe that we can use the new computer system, right? It contributes to this idea of higher self-efficacy. So I hope that helps you kind of understand how those four different aspects um, kind of, uh, of self-efficacy kind of fit into our beliefs. What I want to do now is shift us back to thinking about these fixed mindset triggers, okay? And what I want you to do is I want you to actually identify some aspects of your life where you actually have some fixed mindset triggers. Basically, what are the things that shut you down? These can be areas of weakness. These can be certain people, specific locations, environments, certain situations, or phrasing. For me, as an example, this is all about like completing house projects, right? I almost never have the confidence going into fixing something that broke in my house, right? And I don't always think that I'm going to be able to fix it. 
that I, so I have this fixed mindset trigger of every single time something breaks in my house, I think, oh gosh, I know I need to fix this. I don't know that I'm going to be able to fix it. So it's a fixed mindset trigger. So what I want you to do is just take a moment to jot down as many of these triggers as possible. So I'll go ahead and give you a minute to get those thoughts down. So hopefully you're going ahead and jotting down some different triggers that you're coming up with. The next thing I want you to do with that, it's not just enough to know that we have those triggers, but what I want you to do is I want you to think about a time when you overcame one of those triggers on that earlier list and ask yourself, what was different about the situation? What was different when you overcame that particular trigger? And if you want to share, I'd love for you to go ahead and put in the chat, what was different about the situation? All of us have experienced growth mindset before in areas that we likely didn't expect, where we tried and succeeded at something that we didn't think we could get better at. Coming back to that house example for me, think about the, the, the week that I moved into my house, my refrigerator died. And I was sitting there thinking, oh gosh, I'm going to have to go out, spend all of this money, buy a new fridge. I wasn't planning on this, all this sort of thing. And instead, what I decided to do was start Googling things, start watching YouTube videos, figuring out what the symptoms were. What was I hearing with my fridge? What was the sound that I was hearing? And what I found was that I could actually purchase the part that I needed to, you know, uh, uh, repair the fridge. It was a $7 part. It took me about a half an hour to repair it. That turned into probably a $1,000, $1,500 savings for me, but it was something where I actually had that situation where I overcame that trigger, which was the, the trigger for me was, oh, every time something breaks in my house, I'm not going to be able to fix it. I already had that trigger, right? And I actually overcame the situation. So what was different about it was that I used resources around me. I used Google. I used YouTube, right? I thought of myself as somebody who could actually solve the problem, okay? So if anybody wants to share, what were the conditions that allowed you to grow? What were the conditions that allowed you to adopt a growth mindset? So either go ahead and jot a couple of notes down, or please feel free to share in the chat. That works as well. So as we're thinking about, you know, those were the first three pieces of attitude and actions, okay? That was attitude. The changes we discuss will help you change your belief system and set you up for successfully cultivating a growth mindset. But attitude enough, like attitude alone is not enough, right? If we think about, you know, just because I have a positive attitude doesn't mean my actions are going to actually help, right? So that's why we want to turn our attention to actions. And there's four aspects to this. We'll go into this a little bit more. The first one is setting goals. Second is focusing on yourself. The third is considering your language. And the fourth is reaching out and communicating. Now, again, growth mindset is a great tool to help you achieve your goals, but how can you reach new heights if you aren't actually creating those new goals? It's more than just creating like a vague New Year's resolution, right? A lot of people are probably thinking about New Year's resolutions at this point, right? But your goals need to be something that is SMART, right? The acronym SMART, Specific, Measurable, Attainable, Realistic, Time-Bound. 
right? These need to be specific goals to help you move forward on your learning path. You need to set goals for yourself on a regular basis, especially after you've been given feedback. If you've been given feedback from somebody in your workplace that says you're doing a really good job and I would like to see you grow in these specific areas, great, you have an opportunity to set a goal. Whether you've received feedback that's positive or negative, you can view it as a learning opportunity and a way for you to exercise your growth mindset. You want to decide how you'll take action in response to the feedback that you'll get and how it's going to inform your future learning path. The second action to this is staying focused on you. Hopefully some of you have maybe heard the phrase before, comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. Maybe you've experienced this yourself. I felt this recently. I just bought a new car and I was sharing all of the features of that new car with one of my friends and talking about, oh, this is going to be such a game changer for me in the cold winters and having a kid and all of this sort of stuff. And then immediately my friend brought up all of the features that were on his car and how they were better than the features on my car, right? Comparison is the thief of joy. I had so much joy in the things that were part of my car. And then immediately my friend started comparing those things and it kind of deflated me. Relating our lives to other people, like this is a natural act for our brain to do. And it's unstoppable, right? It's unavoidable for us to do this. But when we take that one level further and we begin to see our worth in comparison to other people, we actually start exhibiting a fixed mindset. When you compare, what you're doing is you're measuring your skills as though they are static and that you feel proud that your skill level is greater than somebody else's, right? But remember, a fixed mindset focuses on being smart while a growth mindset focuses on getting better, right? Growth mindset is all about the trajectory to the future. A person with a growth mindset will compare themselves to their prior self rather than comparing themselves to another person. The third action I want you to take in relationship to a growth mindset is to consider your words. You need to notice the language that you're using, especially when it comes to the challenging parts of your life. Maybe some of you have, have caught yourself or you can think of times that you've said things like, this is too hard for me. I'm never going to get that promotion. My coworker's so smart, I'm not going to be able to do the things that he does. These are fixed mindset statements, and they imply that you and other people have fixed abilities and that there's no opportunity for improvement. So what you want to do is try to reframe those thoughts when you notice them. Think instead of, you know, this might be difficult, but I can be successful. It's going to take some hard work and some dedication, but I might be able to earn a promotion in a year or two. Or my coworker sure has learned a lot, right? A specific strategy to use when you're considering your words and paying attention to your language is the power of yet. This is a really wonderful strategy. Yet implies future, right? It's a learning trajectory. So you can say something like, I don't know that yet. I haven't mastered that new program yet. Okay, the power of yet. This is called linguistic relativity, okay? Uh, the language that we use, what, what linguistic relativity means, is the language that we use influences certain cognitive processes. Layman's terms, our words matter, okay? 
the language of growth mindset, you need to keep that in mind, right? What we say matters and how we think about what we can do. So I want us to take a look at some of the phrases that you see on the screen, right? And how do we turn those around? And remember, you know, is, is you know, you want to change this to something that has a growth mindset or a future trajectory. So if you look on the left-hand side, right, is not everyone is good at everything. Just do your best. It's a very fixed mindset sort of way of looking at things. That becomes, you see the right-hand arrow there, when something is difficult, it grows your brain. Neuroplasticity, right? This fixed mindset statement of that's not one of my strengths becomes that's not one of my strengths yet. Okay, so we're using the power of yet. That was hard becomes that's the feeling of my brain growing. I gave it my best shot. It looks like I need to grow my understanding. What can I try next? Okay, there's all sorts of different ways that we can approach this. The last action that I want to encourage you to take thinking about building this growth mindset, attitudes and actions, is increasing communication, okay? It's a condition that is necessary for most achievements, right, is that we need to have high quality communication. This is the last action step. You're more likely to follow through with those plans and those goals that you've set if you've communicated about them to other people. So in order for you to hold yourself accountable to a mindset shift, you need to start communicating with other people about it. Tell your partner, your boss, your colleagues, right, that you are trying to view mistakes as opportunities and that their feedback is crucial for you to have improvement. It also helps people to know why you are making certain choices, why you're taking certain actions. Sometimes our friends and our mentors, our supervisors, our colleagues, right, these people are also great resources for kind of helping develop and curate this mentality for continued learning. Again, I want to encourage people, just I'm taking a pause here, I want to encourage you, if you have any comments or any questions, please go ahead and put those in the chat or go ahead and click on that Q&A button that's down at the bottom of your toolbar there to enter any sort of questions or comments that you have. So we just reviewed the four actions thinking about this practical growth mindset and the three attitudes, okay? So congrats, right? You have learned how to challenge some of those unhelpful beliefs, right? The things we saw at the beginning, right? And how to apply those attitudes and actions towards a growth mindset. Hopefully you're feeling empowered and ready to kind of take on the world, right? Learning and growing and improving. But that brings us to a really, really important question. Should we do this? It's not necessarily should you have a growth mindset, okay? But it's about should you act on it? Should I act on every single situation? Must you always try hard to learn and grow in every situation? And this is what we're going to look at next is when to act on your growth mindset. Now, one of the things that happened is when the research first came out years ago about growth mindset is that people started having a lot of misconceptions about it. They started kind of thinking about it as this is going to be the thing that's going to solve all my problems if I just have this growth mindset. Okay, so there's some misconceptions about growth mindset that we need to talk about when we're asking this question, when do I act on my growth mindset? 
First is that some people have, have misinterpreted growth mindset as an idea that focuses solely on effort while sacrificing results. Okay, so Carol Dweck, who is the originator of this research on, on growth mindset theory, she points out that effort is a means to an end, but that the focus should be both on effort as well as the outcomes, right? So it's not about sacrificing the results, but it's about focusing on both what you're trying to do as well as what the outcomes are. The other piece to this too is that growth mindset is often misunderstood as you know people just being positive or optimistic all the time, right? Uh, uh, Carol Dweck in her book, um, she called this this idea of false growth mindset, right? It's not this fake it until you make it sort of thing. It's not this idea of we'll just have a positive attitude and everything will work out, right? The truth is is that having a growth set growth mindset isn't just about feeling only happy and positive, okay? Think about, you know, uh, uh, when you were in school, right? When you were a student, maybe for some of us that was recent, for some of us it's been a while, right? If you got a failing grade on a test, right? If a person has a growth mindset, they believe that they will be capable of learning the material with more time and effort. I need to go back. I need to look at the items I got wrong. I need to figure out the missteps that I made. But they probably will still feel disappointed in, in the outcome. Yeah, I got an F. I can look at it and say, these are the things that I need to learn and grow and develop further knowledge in but I still can be disappointed, upset, frustrated, mad, sad, whatever it might be about the fact that I got an F. Furthermore, stepping into that vulnerability, I could be kind of nervous, right? For the remaining tests, how am I gonna do next time? Did I prepare differently enough? Did I engage in the material differently enough that I now have a better set of knowledge of what it is that I need to do? It's kind of like the idea of courage, right? Courage is about being brave even when we're scared, okay? Even when we're nervous about something, it still takes the, you know, us to have the courage to step out there. The last kind of misconception in here is that, you know, it's not a dichotomy. Growth mindset is not an all or nothing state, right? It's, you know, we have elements of growth mindset as well as fixed mindset. And you know, we oscillate between these two things. We're not always in a place of growth mindset. In fact, probably just today, thinking about things you're doing for your work, right? You may have some aspects, things you can think about your work and you can say, I had some fixed mindset moments today and I had some growth mindset opportunities, right? You don't have to try and get better at everything all the time, right? This is not, it's not an all or nothing sort of thing. And you don't want to be beating yourself up on those occasions where you choose to not try. The reality is, as human beings, right, when we're stepping into this place of vulnerability, we're stepping into this place of practical growth mindset, is that it's not practical for us to constantly be in a state of learning and growth. There are some, just some times when we need to say, my skill level isn't where it needs to be, period. I can't do that right now, period but we can add in those pieces of yet, right? I'm not very good at this yet. So the point of that, right, is to give yourself a break, okay? Growth mindset doesn't tout that anyone can be an expert at anything, okay? There, there are reasonable limitations for all of us. As an example, I am not a runner, okay? 
no matter how many times I add the word yet on there, I am not going to be the person who's going to win a time trial in a running race. Okay. Now I can practice. I can get better. I can get better than the time before for myself, but there are going to be other people that are going to be better and faster runners than me. There are reasonable limitations around the things that we can do. So I want, I want to just be very clear about that. Growth mindset is not a magic pill, right? It's not a cure-all for anything that you can imagine. There was another question that came in from, from Kasi again here. Being vulnerable can be scary sometimes. How do we allow our mind to cope with vulnerability and uncertainty? That's a great question. And I'd love, I'd love to actually, if other people have some comments that they want to put into the chat there, I'll repeat the question again from Kasi here. Being vulnerable can be scary sometimes. How do we allow our mind to cope with vulnerability and uncertainty? To me, this is one of those kind of basic uh, elements of looking at our own ego and uh, looking at um, our own emotions and kind of putting a mirror up in front of ourselves. When are the situations where we can actually be comfortable with the uncomfort, right? So how do we allow our mind to cope with vulnerability and uncertainty? One of the things that I do that, that I've seen in some of the research and such too, is that sometimes we, you know, one of the techniques people will use is um, imagining the worst case scenario. So thinking about a situation that makes us feel vulnerable or makes us feel uncertain, what is the worst case scenario that can happen in this particular situation? So maybe that worst case scenario is a loss of a job or a loss of money, a loss of a big client, um, a security breach with a data system, something like that. And then we think about that worst case scenario and we start working back and kind of walking ourselves back from that, right? So it's this idea of, I know I've now imagined, I've thought out, I've, I've maybe even visualized what that worst case scenario looks like, and I'm walking myself back from that in the form of what are the possible solutions? What are the resolutions to those different steps along the way? And that to me, I think when we start walking ourselves back from that, number one, we've named what that worst case scenario looks like. But number two, we've also figured out what are some of the steps, what are some of the bad news sort of things that are going to happen in between where we're at and that worst case scenario that we can then anticipate and then we can generate what are the potential solutions to the problem at that point. But I'd love to hear from other folks. Again, the question was, how do we allow our mind to cope with vulnerability and uncertainty? One of the other things that I would offer uh, as, as a thought, uh, I don't, I don't want to say a solution to that question, but some of it is about our own ego. I mentioned at the top of the session, sometimes we kind of stand in our own way of growth mindset. And I do think a lot of that has everything to do with our own ego, our own uh, image of ourselves, our idea of what we are proficient and good at versus our idea of what we are not so good at. When we can start looking at the things that we are not so good at, um, the things that we struggle with, the thing, the challenges that we have, and we can sit with that uncomfort and we can recognize it is not the worst thing in the world to be uncomfortable. It's not the worst thing in the world to feel negative and difficult emotions. It's not the worst thing in the world to be uncertain about how you're going to get better in that particular skill or aptitude. When we can sit in that place, I think I used the phrase before, kind of give it a beat or two, right? Of if we can sit there and recognize 
this isn't the worst to, to be sitting in this place. It is okay for me to recognize I am not perfect and wonderful at all of the things. That actually changes the way that we think right? It changes our beliefs about our own self. Further, when we go to other people and we get feedback from them, and if that feedback is making us feel uncomfortable, but we can recognize, okay, I feel uncomfortable right now. I don't really like the feedback I'm getting from somebody, but you know what? It's not the worst thing in the world. You know, it makes me feel uncomfortable, but this is momentary uncomfort, right? The more times we have those experiences, the more that we're kind of telling our ego, hey, you know what? You're not perfect. You're not unfailable, right? There are things about you that aren't as good as they could be, or there are things about you that aren't as good as other people, okay? I want to talk with you a little bit too about conditions of growth mindset, okay? Now, growth mindset doesn't exist in a vacuum, okay? When we think about this, I want you to, again, be thinking very practical, very real world. There are certain conditions that are critically important for you to act on your growth mindset. Again, we're, we're asking ourselves this question of, should I act on my growth mindset? The first part of this is that there has to be room or we have to create room for failure. Growth mindset is about trying, okay? I talked before about the power of yet. Trying means that we fail sometimes or that we don't do it as good as we could, right? Now, failing in some circumstances is not always an option. I'm going on a plane in a couple of days, right? I certainly don't want the pilot of the plane to be doing barrel rolls for the first time while I'm in it, right? Or ever, really. I don't want to be in a passenger plane that's twirling around. <clears throat> Similarly, if I am in a high stakes client meeting, right, it may not be the first time for me to try out a new technique with, with a client, right? I don't want to be trying to be overly aggressive or trying some new technique, right? That is not a situation that we want to be trying something new out. <clears throat> The other condition or another condition of growth mindset is that sometimes growth mindset can lead to some dangerous risk-taking, okay? This idea of, I can learn anything, right, can cause us to actually take unnecessary risks. Quitting our job today on a Friday, right, to start up a business in an industry that maybe you have little to no experience with might be actually a very dangerous move for you to make. Now, if you go into it with the, the mindset of, well, I can learn anything, I can do anything, that's a good mindset to have, but that can be an unnecessary risk that you're taking. You also want to make sure that you are investing the time and energy and making sure that it's worth it, right? Now, asking yourself this question of, is it worth it? Should I try? Should I act on my growth mindset? Maybe you don't always have to try right? There might be things that you are interested in or things that you are, are intrigued by, but you don't necessarily have to try to build those skills. This might seem like a silly sort of example, but, you know, I'm really interested in outer space. I'm really interested in the things that are happening up in space and all of the research, right? But I also know that it's not necessarily worth me investing my time and energy into becoming an astronaut, right? It is not worth it for my time. It is worth it for me to learn as much as I can from the people that do have those skills. 
So as we're kind of beginning to close things down for the session here, what I want to do is I want to offer some questions for you to consider when you're deciding to invest in your learning and growth. And I would encourage you to write these down, okay? The first one is, do you want to improve this skill? Now, if your answer to that question is no, that's fixed mindset thinking. If you are comfortable with being somebody, I can perform this skill at 75% accuracy, and I'm okay with that because 75% is, is what's necessary, then okay. That's not a growth mindset situation. That's a fixed mindset situation. The second question is, is it beneficial to improve this talent? Now, I think probably most of us would agree in our work worlds, there's lots of different skills and talents and aptitudes, attitudes, all competencies that we want to improve, right? So maybe in our work world, it is beneficial for us to improve the talent. But maybe your talent is something that actually doesn't bring benefit to your workplace, right? Maybe for some people, the talent that they want to improve is, is something that wouldn't really be seen as an, an output to their colleagues or their customers. So is it worth it to actually improve that talent? I'm not sure. The third question to consider is how much time will it take to improve the skill to the necessary level? Now, if you are somebody who lacks entire skill in one particular area and you know it's going to take you one to two years to improve your skill level to an area where it's actually good and successful and satisfactory to your work world, is that one to two year time period worth it, right? And that's a question for you. That's a question for your colleagues, your boss, your supervisor, whatever that might be, right? But how much time is it going to take me to improve my skills to the necessary level? It might be something where I just need to read up on something over the weekend, right? And then I, you know, will will have more skill when I try it the next time. The fourth question that you see on the screen here, really critical and really important. What is standing in my way for improving? This could be people. This could be a lack of resources. This could be your own development of skill. This could be time, right? I think a lot of us are pinched for time. There's lots of things that we would like to learn and grow in in, in our workplaces, but we don't necessarily have enough time as, as buffer to be able to go out there and check those things out. And lastly, what tools can I use to get better? And am I using those efficiently? In a world of technology and all the different tools that we have available to us, are there tools that you can use to get better? Right. I think about things like language acquisition. There's all sorts of different tools out there now that we can use apps on our phone, programs, things that will send us emails every single day. We can, you know, uh, uh, be in uh, live video calls with people to help us learn language. Right. Are, are we using the tools that are available to us to get better? And am I using those efficiently? Now, if you're using five or six different systems to be able to get after one particular skill set, that may not necessarily be the most efficient approach to things, right? But think about what tools can you use to get better? For some people, this might also be things like professional development. You know, in your industry, are there industry organizations? Are there industry leaders? Are there newsletters, blogs, webinars, workshops like this that you can attend to help build your skill in a particular area? And if so, how are you using those tools at an efficient level? Signing up for a newsletter from your, your favorite industry organization that provides you kind of a weekly uh, summary of, 
uh, different topics, hot topics in your industry to be aware of, that sort of thing can really help you build the skill of being aware of current trends in your field. So as long as you're using that efficiently, you're dedicating time in your work week to read that newsletter every single week, then you're using that tool to get better at that particular skill. So this is our complete plan for developing and maintaining a growth mindset that's grounded, again, in this real-world application, okay? We started with kind of understanding our beliefs and where our beliefs came from, and then really starting looking at what are the attitudes and actions that we need to take to actually move ourselves to a place of engaging in growth mindset. And then the last piece of this framework is really asking ourselves the question, should I do that? Should I act on that? Now you know what a growth mindset is and what it's not, as well as its realistic applications, okay? Now I wanna remind you again, it's not just about staying positive. It's not this idea of fake it till you make it, right? It requires action from you, setting goals, working on skills, trying, failing, failing forward. I call them missteps, not mistakes, right? It requires this level of action from you, especially after you've experienced a setback where you can sit in that place of feeling, I had some difficulty, I had some uncertainty, I had some uncomfort. Where a growth mindset seems to say, you can do most anything with any effort, right? Self-efficacy says, let's use the evidence that I have to determine whether or not I can realistically complete this task. Okay, so there's two different ways for us to look at this, and we need to be grounded in realism. Right? So it's not just this idea of fake it till you make it, just be positive, everybody will be able to do everything. You want to take time to reflect on your learning trajectories and your thoughts and beliefs around your abilities. Okay, We have to each individually take stock. What are the things that we need to know? What are the skills that we have? What are the attitudes that we have? What are our abilities? Right. If I think that I'm actually significantly better at something, but the evidence suggests that I'm actually worse at it, that's where we need to start first with our beliefs before we can move into attitudes and actions. And you want to use that evidence, those five questions that I just went through before, and look at your situations critically to determine what your next steps are. I want to offer to you kind of three key takeaways as we're working to close out the workshop today. The first is that growth mindset is a commitment to growth regardless of your perceived ability. Now, you could be going from 2% ability to 10% ability. That's growth mindset. You could be going from 10% to 100%, okay? That is a commitment to growth. Growth mindset is built and is built on this idea of beliefs, attitudes, and actions, okay? So it's all three of those things in conjunction with one another. And lastly, the, the last takeaway that I want to offer to you is to employ a really practical approach to growth mindset. Keep positive and keep growing. But again, this practicality component is what's most important. How do you fit this into your workday today, your work world today? Thank you for joining us on the Learn It podcast. We wish you well on your learning journey and see you next time.